I'm Aaron Reynolds, and you're listening to Explain Like I'm Five on the 2020 Network, brought to you by Interact. The age of the personal check is coming to a close. While tools such as Interact eTransfer have largely taken their place for personal use, many businesses are still reliant on checks. 54% of businesses believe they are spending too much time on payment processing. What will it take for companies to finally ditch the check? Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca. I like to think that I'm an intelligent guy, but I know more about Final Fantasy than I do about the finance ministry, and that's kind of a problem. So that's why I'm inviting really smart people onto this show to explain things to me like I'm five. I've been thinking a lot about budgets lately. The United States government was shut down over a budget dispute. Next Tuesday, the Canadian government will unveil its much-anticipated federal budget. And all three of my children decided that they want to play hockey this year, creating some extra pressure on my household budget. But when I think about my budget, it's relatively straightforward. How much do I pay for my home, for what I eat, for my utilities, and for the sports my kids want to play? When I try to conceive of what's in a government budget, though, I have trouble wrapping my head around it. So to help me out with all of this, I have the Honorable John Manley, former finance minister of Canada. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. So when I think about my household budget, every dollar that my wife and I expect to spend, at least for the major things, that's all accounted for. How closely is a government budget estimated? Is it big categories? Is it small details? Well, at the level of the finance minister, it tends to be fairly big categories, But you do go through every program element of the budget in planning what the expenditures are going to be. So if you put it in terms of your household budget, um, I might not, as finance minister, decide what you're actually going to buy at the grocery store. Right. But I would set aside a certain amount for groceries. Okay. And you're the minister of... Of, of, food, of, okay. of food and groceries, okay. you go in and decide how you're going to spend that allocation. Okay. Now, and in that process, does the Minister of Food and Groceries, like, are they an active part of, then of the process of building the, the budget? Uh, active part. Well, what I did when I was uh, Minister of Finance is um, I met with every one of the ministers to talk about what their priorities were. Right. So if I were meeting with uh, you as Minister of Food and Groceries and you said, look, I, you know, I'm going to need a little more this year because we, we are really going to try to only buy organic. Right. Uh, that would explain why you needed an additional, let's say, 8% on your budget compared to last year. Or you might say, you know, our family's expanded, so it's, you know, we're clearly going to need an additional percentage for that. Um, I will hear you out. Right. And maybe I'll say, okay, you've got an additional amount you need because your family's expanded, and you want an additional 8% to go organic. Which is your priority? Okay. And I take all of that in and... And I meet also with the minister of, you know, how we maintain the house. And I've got the minister of, uh, you know, clothing and apparel. And I've got the minister of arts and entertainment. Right. They've all got to decide what their priorities are. And I got to take all of that in 
and then decide what can we afford. Can we afford to go organic this year? Right. Or, or maybe only partially. Yeah. Or, you know, that's the kind of judgment that then the Minister of Finance uh, makes. And the individual ministers, while they get a chance to make their pitch, they can try to assign what their what their top priorities are. They don't actually get to decide. The Minister of Finance has to make those decisions. Right. And so is that that is really the the domain of the, the Minister of Finance. Um is like the final call on this stuff? No, the final call is the prime minister. Right. And the magic words are, you have a budget. Okay. And the minister of finance presents his best view. The prime minister usually has a few things that are priorities mm-hmm. and for, for him or for her. And uh, you've got to try to massage some of those. Sometimes, I mean, and I've told some of my successors in the role this, the biggest job of the Minister of Finance, the hardest job, saying no to the Prime Minister. (laughs) Yeah, I know, yes, sir, I know you want to do that. We can't afford it. Right. That's that's the job of the Minister of Finance. But ultimately, because ultimately, what can the Prime Minister do? If the Minister of Finance says no... We don't have the money. Then We don't have the money. The only thing the Prime Minister can do is either say there's no budget until you agree to do it, in mm-hmm. which case the Minister of Finance either says, well, okay, or quits. Right. Or the Prime Minister says, okay, I'll get another Minister of Finance. You're fired. <laughs> now, if the Minister of Finance is either fired or quits, that's really bad for a government. Right. It's hard for them to manage through that. So Minister of Finance has a lot of power, mm-hmm. but the magic words from the Prime Minister are, Minister, you have a budget. Okay. Before you were talking about uh, some of the specific programs, so what do those look like for the government? What kind of what kind of programs are we talking about? Well, the, the first thing to remember, Aaron, is there's there, it's not all stuff that is discretionary. Right. Um, when you start with the budget, you start with the fact that a big chunk of it is interest on our debt from the past. Okay. And, you know, that's that's a pretty big number. I mean, the last budget, we spent over $24 billion on interest payments just on accumulated debt from before. Now, that's not bad, actually, because back in the early 90s, we were spending almost a third of our budget just to pay the interest charges. And wow. so that's that's a big amount. Then so there what, are other what kind things. Of, uh, what kind of percentage yeah. is the, that $24 billion then, like compared to what's the rest of the, the budget? Oh, we're down to, well, the total budget last year was about $311 billion. Oh, okay. And of that, about $24 billion went for public debt charges. So, so that's that's so actually not bad at all. It's, it's to, not bad at all. Okay. I mean, it's less than 10%, whereas we were up to over 30% mm-hmm. of our budget being uh, for public debt charges. Then, you know, there are certain transfers that the federal government makes both to governments and to individuals. To individuals, we pay pensions, old age benefits, all of that kind of stuff goes out. And then to governments, you've got equalization payments, you've got transfer payments for health and uh, social programs. You've got all of that before you get to the actual, you know, minister of of, uh, <laughs> of groceries, of, of groceries yeah. that yeah. makes, that, that spends. And that's still, you know, a little over a third of the total that the government of Canada spends is in those actual programs. And of those, by far the biggest is defense. 
Right. Okay. That makes sense. What uh, What else is big in there? There's defense and well, we uh, the federal government runs the you know for example all the health for uh, indigenous communities and the north. Right. Um, that's a a big item. Uh, all of the uh, transportation safety apparatus. Uh, in addition to defense, there's things like the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, there are federal operations across Canada doing everything from uh, managing the radio spectrum uh, through to uh, ensuring you know, food is safe to eat. Right. Um, criminal law is, uh, is in part federal jurisdiction. The RCMP uh, is a federal uh, government expenditure, although where it provides policing services in provinces, the provinces pay for that. So there's a there's a wide range of things. Right. And when the Minister of Finance sits down to do the budget, especially when things are tight and you've got to cut spending, it's hard to find a lot of extra stuff right. in those things. What are we going to do? Make the food less safe? Are right. we going to shut down? The famous one, of course, is, okay, we need to save money in uh, in the uh, Department of Public Safety. Let's cut the musical ride out of the RCMP program. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, that's so a- so what, those choices are very... If you need to save money, it, there are no easy ones. Right. When when politicians say there's lots of low hanging fruit, there's lots of waste. You know, it just doesn't usually add up to a whole lot. Right. I wanted to ask about those interest payments. I know that if I stopped paying the mortgage on my house, I would get kicked out of my house. But that can't really happen to us as a as a country. So I like. Not that I'm, not that I would advocate us not paying our, you know, our debts. But what would happen to Canada if we if we defaulted on those payments? What's happened in the past? Countries do default, right? Um, and uh, it, it's and generally uh, it means a big run up in interest rates, at least, uh, so that then you can't keep financing stuff because you know, right? Because who wants to loan of, to you, right? Nobody wants to lend to you, or if they do, they want such a premium, it's really, really expensive. When New Zealand defaulted back in the, uh, in the 80s, uh, the IMF stepped in. And that means you've got some bureaucrats from the International Monetary Fund actually telling your government what to do. And you might say, well, that's not very democratic. Don't we elect a government to decide what to do? Yeah, well, okay, do you want the money or not? Right. Uh, and the same thing happens in the private sector. When a company goes into uh, insolvency or into bankruptcy, the creditors take control because uh, you, you basically you forfeited your right to make decisions. So that does happen and can happen to governments as well. Hasn't happened uh, very recently to Western countries, but we've seen it in certainly in Latin America. Uh, periodically, uh, poor Argentina seems to go through this cycle every ten years or right. so. It was a close call for Canada, quite honestly. In uh, the '90s, when I was in government, I was Minister of Finance, but we did have a Canadian bond auction one day where we had no bids with 30 minutes to go. Oof. So we were close to uh, having a, a crisis on our hands, and I think in that case, the Bank of Canada got on the phone called some other central banks 
and uh, and managed to uh, to put together what was necessary. But uh, you know, borrowing money uh, always means that you're accountable for what you've borrowed. Right. There's an old joke that says, you know, when when the bank has loaned you a thousand dollars, the bank controls you. Yep. When the bank loans you, you know, a million dollars, you control the bank because you're failing to pay is a lot more important to them <laughs> than it was before. But nevertheless, when you when you're in debt, your creditors have something to say, and and especially if you're having trouble making those payments. Okay, how long does it take to assemble a budget? Oh well, in in my case, it took about six months. Okay, um, if you can imagine a bunch of binders. And you've got all of the sources of revenue in detail in, in one set. And you've got every expenditure area in the other. And, uh, and then you've got a tabulation at the end. And in addition to the actual expenditures, in other words, what we spent on groceries last year, right? we've got... Well, in the election campaign, we promised that we would go to organic. Right. And so that's in there. Or cabinet has passed um, a, a, uh, a document, we call them memorandum of the cabinet. We've got a cabinet resolution approving increasing uh, the amount that we eat every day. That's okay. in there. Yeah. Everything in my time that cabinet approved, by the way, was subject to the funding. It it wasn't mandatory for the finance minister to give them the money, but we knew what cabinet wanted if we could afford it. So you look at all of that. Now, in in the example that I'm thinking of, when we started and we took all of those numbers and every minister's list of things they wanted – we were running, we would have run a massive deficit. In other right. words, our revenues were going to fall well short of uh, what uh, everybody hoped we would spend. So then it's that, that's my, the job over about, as they say, six months, going through item by item. That's where meeting with each minister and saying, okay, what's your top priority? Right. More food or organic? You know, pick one. Right. And what's your priority in the environment department? What's your priority in the heritage department? Minister of Defense, you're you're asking for $1.2 billion. Seriously. Seriously. You know, on and on it went. Item by item, department by department, minister by minister. What's the prime minister want? What are his priorities? Until... You know, sometime in February, we could put the whole thing together, and instead of running the massive deficit, we projected that we would run a small surplus because we always built in a little bit of contingency, a little safety in case right. things went badly. Because right. your your income really depends on how well the economy's doing. Right. So you know, unemployment goes up. Then expenditures go up for employment insurance and revenue goes down because taxes go down. Right. So you got to have a little bit of, of flexibility. Okay. So you've spent the six months to build this 
budget, uh, talked to all of these different people, gotten um, uh, their priorities, uh, compared them to your priorities. You've got your yes from the prime minister. Now, how is it presented? What's the... What's the next thing that happens? Oh, man, it's it's showtime for sure. It's showtime. I used to say, you know, people, it is the most important job other than prime minister in the government, mm-hmm. but it's one big day a year. Okay. You know, the rest of the time, man, going in as minister of finance to question period, uh, I didn't even have to prepare. <laughs> if I couldn't figure out what the questions would be, then I was no damn good. It, right. And it was like, you know, just... Flicking them away, uh, but budget day—that's a big day, right? So it's—it's uh, it's become. When you look at the United States, I have the State of the Union mm-hmm. speech. Budget day is our State of the Union speech. Just that instead of being given by the head of government, it's being given by the Minister of Finance. Okay, and it's the speech, which hardly anybody actually listens to anymore because right. the. Lockup ends and the journalists are all talking to each other about what's in the budget. Uh, there are a series of documents uh, that contain all the detail in the budget. And, and these are, by tradition, very carefully guarded until the moment the minister stands up to speak in the House of Commons. Um, it's that way because in the past... Uh, when governments relied heavily on tariffs and duties on things being imported into the country as a source of revenue, if things, if uh, if something leaked in advance, uh, and you were going to raise the duty on, you know, on uh, widgets that were coming in, well, people could go out and buy all the widgets right. that they'd need for two right. years before the measure came in. So it had to be kept secret because people could game the system. So um, it's less easy to do that now, and that's why a lot more stuff kind of comes out in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, trial balloons, pre-positioning, it's part of the communications plan, plan. But there's quite a collection of documents that comes out for people to, uh, to study and to, uh, and to understand. Now, the interesting thing is um, what happens on that day. Really, the Minister of Finance doesn't have a heck of a lot to do until four o'clock in the afternoon when he or she stands up in the House of Commons. Um, But just before that, question period is at two, at three o'clock, right after question period, the cabinet assembles in the cabinet room. And for the first time, the whole cabinet sees what's in the budget. Okay. And some of them will know parts that pertain to them in advance. Some of them will have communications responsibilities. Okay, the Minister of uh, Immigration is getting this package. Right. He or she will know in advance because on budget day, they've got to get out and say, this is the greatest thing ever, and here's what we're going to be able to do. So they will know their piece, but they don't know the whole thing. And we record in that meeting at 3 o'clock the cabinet approval of the budget. Now, that is uh, a lot of decisions because every item in the budget is approved by the cabinet in that brief meeting. Okay. Even though they haven't really studied it all. But that's in the, that's the, at the core of our government. 
because if you don't have a budget, you don't have a government. Right. And so uh, you don't have cabinet solidarity around the budget. Well, again, you don't have a government. So we approve those uh, right before the minister goes into the House of Commons and speaks to Parliament and to all Canadians. And that also launches then the budget debate, uh, which leads to approval by the House of Commons of the budget. And are there ever situations where the budget is not approved? In our system, um, when there's a majority government, it gets approved. Right. When there's a minority government, yes, sometimes the budget has not been approved. And traditionally in Canada, uh, the government will fall on that and uh, will ask the governor general to dissolve parliament and have an election. Okay. So I have one last question for you today. I read a thing on the internet that when presenting the budget, one wears new shoes. <laughs> is that is that real? And where does that come well, from? Well, it, it, it is a bit of a tradition, and you can think of some great examples. Uh, uh, Michael Wilson, may he rest in peace. His, he was a great finance minister before me. Always made it a point of going and getting a you know, a shiny new pair of shoes for the budget. John Crosby, when he presented the budget, wore a pair of brand new mucklucks, those ones that lace right up to your knees um, into the budget. Now, his budget was defeated in Parliament, (laughs) and there was an election after it in 1980, so that could be a reason why nobody's worn mucklucks since then. Uh, But when, when, when I was minister, we researched it and discovered that it was actually not that long a tradition. Okay. And uh, so I, I didn't go and buy new shoes uh, for the budget. I preferred, you know, new shoes are sometimes not as comfortable as old shoes. Uh, so what I did was uh, on budget day, I said, minister doesn't have an awful lot to do on budget day until four o'clock. Um, I went down to Carleton University and laced on my skates. Right on. And uh, I, it was a bright, one of these February days where it's a bright blue sky, really cold, and uh, the ice was firm, and uh, I put on my skates, and I skated from Carleton University down to the National Arts Centre, and uh, went over, walked over to the Department of Finance with my skates over my shoulders, and, and then the day began. So uh, you can imagine uh, my staff being very uh, concerned about this. <laughs> what if you fall? What if you gash your head? What if you're bleeding? What if we can't find you? I mean, you've got to deliver the budget. You know, can't you just you know, come in and stay in the office? <laughs> and, uh, no, I'm going to clear my head. It's going to be great. And uh, at one point, I'm skating in, in disguise. Mind you, nobody recognized yeah. me. I had my fur hat on and my sunglasses and everything. Frank Mahovlich comes skating by the other direction. He didn't even notice me, but I thought... I'm skating with the big M. How good is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely a very memorable budget day. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. My pleasure. Fast, safe, and reliable, Interact eTransfer is one of the best ways to send requests and receive money. In fact, Canadians used the service to complete 371 million transactions in 2018. That's nearly 11 times the population of Canada. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca.